All right, everybody. How are you guys doing today? It's one of those days? Is that the deal? Is it? It's one of those days. Okay. All right. That's cool. I get it. I get it. Um, well, hey, look, it's, it's a joy to be with you guys. Um, I've got some incredible news to share with you. Um, if you are a guest here with us, um, and this is your first week, man, I have got some news that's going to blow you out of the water. Um, if you are a regular attender at New Life Church and a lover of Jesus and a kingdom builder, let me hear it from people that are kingdom builders. Come on, let's hear it. Let me hear it. Okay. All right. Because, man, if you're not a kingdom builder, I'm just going to tell you right now, you're missing out. You're missing out on the heart of what God's doing through our church. Kingdom Builders is our expression of radical generosity around the world. Uh, we, we set the goal at the beginning of the year, and I'll do that the first Sunday in February. Get your phone out right now. Go to your Google phone, like calendar app or whatever you use, and put like the first Sunday in February and mark it out for church. We're not going on vacation. Uh, we're not going anywhere. We're all here. Like, just put it in your calendar. I don't see very many phones working, right? Like, you're thinking, like, I'm not supposed to get my phone out. No, seriously, get your phone out and double check to make sure the ringer's off. All right? Number one. Uh, but, then, but then load in there, load in there the first Sunday in February as the Kingdom Builder Vision Sunday. Because on that Sunday, I'm going to tell you where we're going with our Kingdom Builder Vision for 2022. Right. But then last week, we got to this point where we had this vision right? And we still had commitments to make. And so we cast this, what we called the miracle offering. It was like this, we had given so much money, but we needed like, I, don't, I forget what it was now. I want to say like $86,000 uh, and $144, I think. $86,144, I think is what we needed as a miracle offering to like fund all of the commitments we made. And uh, look, drum roll please, because a miracle took place at New Life last Sunday at all of our campuses. You guys were radical in your generosity, and you gave $88,000. $88,000. Oh, my word. What? What? You guys, man, you guys are blowing me away. And I guarantee you, the heart of the Lord, man, is super pleased with you guys. But look, um, we're going to be able to fund now everything. And so next week, Rihanna is going to, she's just going to start writing the checks to all of the rest of our Kingdom Builder partners, and we will fund all of them next week. That's exciting, right? I love it. And it's not even like the last second of the year, <laughs> you know? And so some of you might be sitting there thinking to yourself, well, I, I made a Kingdom Builder commitment goal for the rest of this year. What, what should I do? Should I just like maybe God was just testing me. Like, would you give it all? Right? And then you're hearing this today, and he's like, no, nah, you don't have to. Look, look can I just say this to you? Um, if you made a kingdom builder goal, and just hearing about the fact that we got a, a miracle offering where we've, we've already met our 2021 goal, um, I'm going to encourage you to do something. I'm going to encourage you to give it, but you're going to give it for like a different reason than being a part of the miracle offering. You're going to give it because um, you're, you're responding to obedience to God. It's first obedience to God. Did God share that with you? And this is what I know about God. Like man can set his goals, and we set our goal in 2021, but since we already reached it here in November, and I know that there's still going to be kingdom builder dollars come in, this is what I now know about God. God's vision for 2021 was bigger than our vision for 2021. That means that God knows what he wants to do with your generosity better than we know. 
And he knows where he's going to, where he's going to put it. So here's what our kingdom builder task force is now tasked to do is to get before the heart of God and say, okay, God, since we already met it, now what do you want us to do in this year? And that's what we're doing. How do you like that for your spiritual leaders? That's where your spiritual leaders are going. They're going back to the heart of God and they're going, God, since we know more is coming in, what do you want us to do? And one of the things that we're leaning into right now is that we believe that God has put on our heart, get ready for the future. Get ready for the next church plant. Get ready to strike. When I say go, you be ready to go. Right? And this is a, like, even, even in the Old Testament, Joseph did this. God put on his heart, store up the grain because there's going to be a moment when you're going to need it. There's going to be a famine. And we feel like just the opposite. It's not the famine that's coming. It's God, God's green light that's coming. And so we're trying, to re- we're trying to store up about $300,000 in Kingdom Builders so that when it's time to go, bam, we strike. And we plant the next campus. We plant the next campus in Grand Island. We plant the next campus next door to you. We plant the next campus somewhere coming soon to a neighborhood near you. <laughs> right? And so that's where we're going. So if you still feel like God put a number on your heart, you give because God has a purpose for it. Amen? So last week, we challenged you to be a kingdom builder with your finances. This week, I want to challenge you to be a kingdom builder in your love. Now, don't blow me off, because what I want to talk about today is I want to talk about what does it look like to love people like Jesus did in a broken world. And if you guys find it difficult, you find it hard, you find it hard to find your spot, you find it hard what to say, you find it hard how to respond, you find it difficult to like be in a broken world and love people like Jesus did because all of our media is chiding us to go a different direction. Everything inside of us is, is like pulling us in a direction that's going to be more offensive than it is going to be helpful. And our world is getting more and more divided and Satan is at the center of it. Satan is trying to divide our world. He's trying to divide race against race, age against age, politics against politics, religion against religion, and even economic status. He's trying to divide the world. He's even trying to divide, you know, the message of Jesus Christ from those who need it most. And so he's pitting the church against the culture. And our, unfortunately, our society in America knows more of what the church is against than what the church is even for. Satan's at work trying to divide the very message, the life-giving message of Jesus to a broken world because he's stereotyping Christians, Christ followers, people that love Jesus and want Jesus to be known. He's stereotyping them as the new hate group in the world. And you realize that the more that the more we go down this path, the more that you follow Jesus, the more that you are going to be quantified into the hate group. So we've got to really truly know how did Jesus love a broken world? How did he do it? Right? Because people were against him as well. But those who were broken in the world, they were attracted to Jesus. So the, uh, the, the real truth is this, that the authentic Jesus follower is going to have to work twice as hard. We're going to have to be twice as diligent to get beyond the noise and the accusations so that the world can truly see the true heart of God through his son, Jesus Christ, living in you. Because if the world truly saw the authentic love of Jesus, the authentic love of Jesus in you, they'd be attracted Because we saw last week in Luke chapter 15, verse 1, that when Jesus was teaching, the broken world was attracted to him. 
guys, I don't think that that's just something of old days. I don't think that was something that was just supposed to be 2,000 plus years ago. I think that's still supposed to be something today. And we know what God's heart is. We know what God's heart is for this world. John 3, 16. Would you just do something with me? Would you just read the first few verses of John 3, 16, or the first few words of it? Just read until the first comma, okay? And read it boldly. Here we go. For God so loved the world. Stop. If you don't get that, there's no reason to read on. If you don't get that, I mean, just say this. If we don't get that and live that, we don't really need, we don't really need to read any other verses. The moment that we start getting it in the way that we can live it, now we can move on. Right? But everybody kind of wants to move on. Everybody wants to say, for God so loved the world. Oh, he sent Jesus. But we, we skip over the most important part. God loved the world. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. G- God loved us in our worst case scenario. God loved us when we were trapped in sin. God looked at you and me and he went, I love them. My heart breaks for them. If it was possible that God would weep, God would weep over the brokenness of this world because he loves it. He loves them. Isn't it amazing? Doesn't it just blow your mind away that that verse isn't really what it probably ought to have been? Because if we wrote the verse, it wouldn't have sounded anything like that. We would have said, but because we wanted the world to know how disappointed we are in them, we sent Jesus. And that's why we're not God. But because he he is who he said he is, he goes, I love them in their brokenness. I love them in their worst. And he still loves us in our brokenness. It's because you're listening to my voice today at North Platte Ogallala online at the Kearney campus. That does not mean that we have our lives all put together. But now what God's asking for you and me is he's asking, will you be a representative of that love? Because God didn't send his son into the world, John 3, 16 and 17, to condemn the world. But that's how the world sees the church. That's how the world sees the Jesus follower today. And we're going to have to climb above that noise. We're going to have to work hard to get above that noise. Because God's going, look, I didn't send Jesus to condemn the world, so I'm definitely not sending you. If I didn't send him to do it, why are you doing it? But that's what the world's message is getting. They're getting that message that we're here, we're here more to condemn them than we are here to set them free. And we know this is true because in John chapter 8, Jesus comes face to face with a woman who was guilty of being broken in her adultery. And she's drug out onto the streets, and they're going to stone her to death. And Jesus gets caught up in the moment. And through a series of events, all of a sudden, all those who were going to stone her are gone. And Jesus looks at the woman who is 100% guilty. Right? There's no watering it down. She's caught in the act of adultery. There's no argument about it. And Jesus looks at her, and he goes, woman, where are those who accuse you? Basically, where are those who condemn you? Because they're not here. And he goes, and neither do I condemn you. What? 
Guys, that's the heart that God had for this world. If he, if he did it for the woman caught in adultery, he'll do it for you. He'll do it for those who you work with. He'll do it in your family members. If you're listening to me today and you're searching who Jesus is, I want you to know today, that's God's heart. But he doesn't condone the sin. Because he turns right around and he says, with love and with compassion, the same love and compassion that sent Jesus to the world, he says to her, woman, go sin no more. So if he's not first trying to condemn the world, but he's first trying to help people to fall in love with him. Because look, when people fall in love with Jesus, when people truly know the love of Jesus, guess what they naturally want to do? They want to honor him. Isn't it good that God didn't set it up the opposite? Like, look, if if you honor me, if you do the right things, then I'll let you experience the best I have for you. Isn't it awesome that he flipped it on its head and he goes, I'm going to give you my very best. I'm going to give you my gold before you ever do. I'm going to give you my love. And then out of that, you're going to want to honor me instead of, hey, honor me, and then I'll give it to you. Guys, this is the God that we serve. And this is the one, Jesus Christ, who is living in you, who wants to break through the noise and the accusations. And he wants this world to know that he loves them. And it's possible, even though it's difficult, it's possible to show that same love, the same love that Jesus showed to a broken world. It's possible for you to do that today. But it's going to require, it's going to require an open heart. So I brought in a friend of mine today to help us with this. A friend of mine who is on the front lines. A friend of mine who was a youth pastor in Columbine, Colorado, when that school shooting horrifically went down, the first one, big one that really kind of, you know, unfortunately kicked off this whole stream of school shootings and violence. He had two of his students in his youth ministry that were killed that day. And it was that day that God spoke to his heart and he said, Mike, look, here's what I want you to do. You've been a youth pastor and people have been coming to your church. Now I want you to go to them. And it was basically called as a missionary to the schools. And Mike's been traveling around the nation basically ever since then, speaking to schools, speaking to students, reminding them of the value that they have, reminding them of the worth that they have. But in an environment where he can't preach Jesus. And so he's got a national voice. He's got an influential voice. And he's the founder of a, of a new program called Value Up, where he's not just speaking to students, but he's now meeting with educators and with teachers, and he's trying to empower them with tools to help them be the front line of changing the culture inside of the school and changing the heart of every single student. He's an author of Reinventing My Normal, Talking to uh, Brick Walls, Hidden Scars, and his most recent book, Value Up. And I invited Mike to come here to help us understand what does it mean to be out on the front lines to love people like Jesus did in a broken world. Would you give it up for my friend, Mike Donahue? Come on. <laughs> love it. And love we, it. And hold, we on, hold on, don't move there. Put your stool back. I know. I know. You, you got all aggressive on me, man. All right. All right. There you go. Okay. Awesome. All right. All right. That way we stay center, right? Because you get, you get off center, and then everyone at home is sitting there like this, and they're trying to watch like that. And that, that's not fun. That's Story not fun. of my life. Hey, man, we want to quickly get into this, all right? Okay. Because um, we don't really have a ton of time, all right? We've got multiple services here today. Um, 
but I, I set it up so everybody knows like who you are and what you're doing. But you can't talk about Jesus in the public school. So how do you truly love people like Jesus did in this broken world, right? And on, on top of that, how do you really help students and teachers see and feel the love of God when you can't even talk about Jesus? It's a big challenge. How do you do that? Well, I, I really believe this, that if, you, if I found love when I found God, why can't I find God when I find love, right? So I go in and try to love them right where they're at and, and try to meet the need exactly where they're at. And so the program, what it does, it stirs up a lot of stuff, right? I actually, even at the beginning of the, of the presentation, I have a statement I say, I'm, I'm, I give them a trigger alert. I said, listen, this is going to trigger some things because I want to be talking about cutting. I'm going to be talking about um, self-medication when it comes to drugs and alcohol and, and um, th things like that. And so what happens is we, we stir this stuff up. There's things that are coming up. And I have get lines of kids that will come and talk to me afterwards. And I just love them right where they're at. Mm. And so and, and we're getting a lot of the different things that, that, you know, that the culture's thrown at us with, you know, the transgender issue and and all that kind of stuff. We're getting all of that coming right at us. And so we try to love them right there where they're at. And hopefully, you know, they find love right there. And there's times that I do get to, uh, to share my faith. I can't do it on the microphone, but I can do it, you know, when I'm talking to them one-on-one. -on -one. And that happens a lot. Yeah, even with educators. Right. Yeah. Now, you're telling me, because I get a chance to hang out with you, and I think these guys would benefit from it, but um, a story about a girl in Fort Wayne where here you are, you're, you're in the school, you're... Fort Wayne, Indiana, you're speaking to them, and, but you can't, you can't really communicate Jesus directly, right. but yet she gets it anyways. Right. So what happened was we were doing, the, I was with a, a friend of mine that we were both doing the school, Craig Scott, who's in the, the uh, library at Columbine as well, he, and he speaks with me as well at times. And so we were doing the school, and it was great. It was really good. And um, it, was, it was real heartfelt. It was just a, a really good assembly. And at the end, this teacher came over to us and said, hey, I want to let you know that I've been, I've been, I'm a Christian, and I've been witnessing to this Muslim girl in the school for, for about three or four months now. And she just came to me after the assembly, and she said, Mrs. Johnson, um, are, do they serve your God? And she said, yes. Yeah. She goes, well, I want to serve your God then. Hmm. So, I mean, we didn't say Jesus' name. We didn't say it. But we, because we can't, but we, we, they, she felt that and saw it in us. Cause, because again, I think she, she saw love in us and that's the natural portal to God is love, yeah. not condemnation, but love. And talking about loving people, um, like Jesus did in this broken world, right? You, you talk quite often and you, I think you may even have written about it, or at least you've communicated it in, in other settings about how we naturally want to, as Christians, go to the playbook right. instead of being able to call the, the spiritual audible. Right. Well, what do you mean by the fact that, you know, uh, we like to go to the playbook versus calling the spiritual audible when it comes to loving people like Jesus did? Well, I've, you know, I've been involved in the church work too, so I, and I and also do this. So I, I've watched a lot of people, including myself at times, revert to the, the, okay, what do I do in this situation instead of really trying to tap into the heart of God. So, and, and, and because of what I do for a living, it's not the typical stuff that comes to me. Like when I was a youth pastor, you get the typical angst of a teenager coming to you and, and you, know, you know, I'm having problems with my family or my mom and dad. 
I mean, you know, once in a while you, you, they, they would cross that line into some other things. But, more, but my world is definitely uh, very different every day. So I get, I'll give you, for instance, I had a, a girl in Gearing. I was in Gearing, Nebraska, and she came up to me and said, um, I, I, I know this we get, can I say that I, basically, basically she sure. said, okay, I'll just be real. She just said, I'm a, I'm a female, but I'm identifying as a male right now because when I was a female, something really bad happened to me. I don't want that to happen to me again, so I'm, I want to be a male now. Okay, so I can't take out the book of Leviticus right now and talk to her. You know what I mean? I'm not going to take out the Christian playbook and try to straighten her out in, in five minutes. So I have to call an audible, which is I'm just going to love this kid. And I, what I believe is the issue is not what she's doing with this pain. The issue is the pain. Amen, Christians? Yeah. The issue is yeah. the pain. So yeah. why go to the why go to the self medication? Why go to the bandage, and 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 try to straighten out the bandage when the wound is what what God's calling me to deal with? And so mm. we did. We sat and we talked about not her choice of, of of you know whatever she's doing with her sexuality, but we talked about that wound and talked about what happened to her when she was ten. Yeah. And that's where I feel like I'm called to do. Not get into all the the minutia of what she's going to do with it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know you, you also talk often about how it, it, like in Christianity, we like just to like take the old nasty bandage off and we never really get to the wound. We, we just like, if you look right on the outside, you talk right on the outside, like you, you quack like a Christian duck, you are, you're a Christian duck, basically, yeah, yeah. you know, instead of taking the time to get to the wound. Yeah. Now you were just hitting on that. So like, what does that really look like for us? How, how, do we, how do we get beyond just the, almost kind of like what we're groomed into, like just clean up the bandage instead of actually dealing with the wound? Why don't we go there? Well, because there's a, it's easier to fixate on the, the, the behavior, right? And so we look at the behavior and go, well, is that Christian behavior? Is it not? Uh, it, so, but to me, there's always a belief behind the behavior, right? I want to get to the belief. I, in the school, I say this to the kids. I say, I don't really care what you're doing right now, whether it's drug use or vaping or any of those things. I don't care about that. That sounds counterintuitive to why I'm there, but it's not. I, I don't care what you're doing. I, I want to know why you're doing it, right? Jesus said he's the great physician. So, so basically, the sin is not... The, the sickness is not the sin. And this is what Christians don't understand. The sickness is not the sin. The, 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 the depth of the pain is the sin, right? Like, so in other words, like the, the, I'm sorry, the sin is the, the self-medication. So when I was drinking and partying and stuff when I was a kid, I grew up in South Boston, Massachusetts. I, I, was, I, I came from a dysfunctional home. My dad left. My mom was, was you know, trying to raise four kids by herself. So there was a lot of chaos in our family. I was self-medicating. So the, sin, the, the sickness was the loneliness I felt because I didn't have a dad. The sickness was the, the confusion I had about God and about the world. And Jesus wanted to, the, the self-medication, the sin, was the self-medication. It was the drinking. So we fixate on the, oh, we've got to get him to stop drinking. We gotta get him to, no, that'll happen. But you've got to f- cure the, the hurt. Yeah. Amen? We've got to cure the hurt. We've got to get there. Yeah. And then we don't have to worry about that because it'll fix itself. That will fix itself if, if you get to meeting those needs that we were looking for. And that's when I, when I found Jesus, I found value. I, I, I knew, when I found Jesus, I realized 
He loved me. That verse you put up there, he loved Mike Donahue. For God so loved Mike Donahue. Yeah, make it personal. Right, and then my value went up. I went, oh, I'm really valuable. Why am I doing drugs? Why am I, why am I doing this? Like, why am I using girls? Why am I doing this? Why, this is not me. I, I have a higher value than this. Yeah. And so we've got to help kids and, and people find their value in God. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's good. That's really good. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. It's messy. It's it is. messier. It is. It takes longer. Yes. You know? Yeah. But when you look at the ministry of Jesus, like his primary message was the kingdom of God. Let me tell you the kingdom of God. Basically, let me tell you the heart of my father. Yeah. And that's what it was. And then people that were broken were attracted to him. Yeah. And the longer they hung out with him, the more he was able to minister to the wound. But that Five, took time. Yeah, 5,000 people don't sit on the side of a hill without food for three days because he was saying nothing. You know, he was saying things that mattered to their life, to their world. And, and that's what I think. Like when we do schools, I'm talking about what they care about. And, and that's why they don't. Like this is what happens when I do an assembly. They'll come in because, you know, you remember the assemblies we had when, they were kid, when we were kids? They were horrible, right? Like, like the drug-free puppy lady, you know, she's got puppies and, you know, like, what are you doing? You know, you can be a drug-free puppy. Shut up. You know, like, like I want to be a drug-free. Anyways, but, but they, what they do is they, they think they're coming, right? So they sit there with their phones and everything. And then as soon as I start talking about pressure and pain, the phones go away, the AirPods come out, and they're just, they're, they're fixated on me. Like, I have principals come to me and they'll say, I'm sorry, my kids are going to be a little, you know, crazy at the beginning. Okay, they're not, because as soon as they're not, and I don't say anything anymore. I used to defend myself, but I don't now. I just go, okay, and then 10 minutes into it, they're glued because yeah. I'm talking about their world and the pain they're going through, and I'm giving them some, some practical things they can do. We don't sell our book to kids anymore. We give it to them. I mean, we, we, we try to get them to see their value, and it's the hardest thing to do because we live in a world, and I'm sorry, Christians, but we live in a world that rewards behavior, that's why we can't do that. We, and Jesus didn't do it. If he did it, I'd do it. But he, does, he didn't do that. He's exactly what you said. When he was with Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus gave the money back, right? He, he went, hey, stop. i got to give the money back. Jesus never said anything about giving the money back. He just got with him. He was rubbing shoulders with him. And, and the guy went, I want this kind of goodness. Yeah. I want this kind of, that, what I've been doing is not life-giving. I love, I don't know this, I don't know this guy. I don't know what he's all about. But I want more of it. I know I need to give the money back. Yeah. When people get around Jesus, they want to give the money back. You know, they want to. They want to. They want to raise that value in their life. Well, one of the things that, uh, and that's awesome, and I love that. That's a great example. Um, the, yesterday, we were talking a little bit about um, a very practical thing that you do, right? To love people like Jesus did in this broken world, and you're like anybody can do this. It's like a, it's like a door opening question. And you said you like to ask people, what is your dream? How does asking people, what is your dream, help you actually love people like Jesus did? Because people always give you the best version of themselves when they answer it honestly, right? So, and you get a clue into who they really are, right? Maybe they're stuck in their choices they're making that aren't good, or people have made choices for them that aren't good. But when you say, hey, tell me, what's your dream? What do you want to do? And what, how I qualify is I say, well, if it, we could take all this nonsense that you just got done and tell me about your life, if you could take it out for a minute, what, what would you do with your life? And they, they come alive. 
you know, they usually they just come alive. Well, I want to do this. I want to do that. I had to talk to, they put me in a room with a girl Friday that was really off, she was angry, and she didn't want to be there. <laughs> and so I just said, I go, what's your dream, honey? And she's like, I don't have one. And I go, I don't believe you. <laughs> and she goes, stop it. <laughs> like, she goes, shut up. Like, then, then she told me a little bit, and then she had to go. But, but, but I could see, like, that was the it. That was it. When you start talking about their heart, you, you, they, something comes alive inside of them. And then, you know what? It always includes a higher way of living. So you can tap into that. You know, you can tap into, um, listen, you know what? God, God sees that about you, too. And God wants to empower you. What can I do as your friend to help you get there? You yeah. know, and so that then, then you have to go into action. You can't just, you know, sit in the cheap seats. You get you got to get in it. You know, and that's that's yeah. you know that's what church is about. Getting in it. How about how about one last off the cuff question? Okay. <clears throat> if we are so fixated on behavior, yeah, right, that gets us focused on the bandages instead of getting to the own wounds in our own life. Okay? Now you're talking to us. Okay. We are your audience of students, and you want to help us get focused more on the wound and letting Jesus. Now you can talk about Jesus. Letting Jesus care for the wound. What is it that you would challenge us to do right now? Let him into the darkest part of your life. Because you can't minister that unless he's been there, right? He's got to be in there with you. He's got to be in there. Like, you got to let him in there. And he's not, he, he wants to go there. So you, you got to let him in there. And that's, that's the kind of relationship I have with him. Because I can't, like, I, I think what frustrates me the most about, about my own Christian faith and, and other Christians is that they try, the playbook comes out when, when you're not, when you don't let him in there, right? The, the playbook comes out, you know, when, you, when you're not intimate with him. But you call all more audibles when you're intimate with him. I know how to talk to a kid because I've let Jesus into my brokenness. And so when he's in my brokenness, now I know what to say because I'm not just reading it out of the book. You know, you, know, you need to like, you know, read, get, get some quiet time, you know, whatever. You know, all the things we say. But the, you, you, when you have him in there and he's inside your heart in, in, in the darkest place, there's an intimacy there that, that goes beyond, you know, a dogma. You know, it's, it's real. It's real. So I'd say that. Thanks, man. You're welcome. Appreciate you. Yeah. God bless you guys. I, I, just, I just want to leave you with this because it's challenging to get beyond just looking at people's behavior and actually getting to the wounds that are, with, that are in people. But I'm telling you right now, in this world we live in, 2021, going into 2022, and in the future, the, the Christ-centered follower that's willing to love people, not just for the behavioral change, but so that they can get to the real issue that's driving the behavior, is going to be the, the, the greatest disciple maker of the next generation. You will be the greatest disciple maker of the next generation because you're actually going back and you're repeating what Jesus was starting with. And so what's our very first step? Let me just tell you what our very first step is, okay, out of this message. 1 John 4, 7 through 8. Here's what it says. Anyone who loves, loves this world like Jesus did, anyone who loves is a child of God and they what? They know God. 
So it's impossible to truly know God without being willing to show and model the love of God. But verse 8 says, but anyone who does not love, what? Does not know God, for God is love. Like The more that we don't just know the love of God, but we express the love of God, the more that we truly know God. If we truly care about this world knowing God, right, not just following the playbook, right, because which one's more important? Is it more important that this world knows the biblical rules, or is it more important that this world knows the maker of the rules? It's more important that they know the maker, because when they know the maker, then they want to know the rules, and they want to follow, they want to honor, and the same thing goes for you and me. So look, you might know the love of God, but you don't know the love of God. You might know the love of God, but you're not exuding the love of God. And the more that you truly know the love of God, the more you know him and the more they know him. And lastly, in that same, that same passage in verse 12, listen to what God's plan is for you and me. He said this, no one has ever seen God. But, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and watch this, and his love is brought to what? Full expression in us. Guys, if you want to love this world like Jesus did, then the love of God has to come to full expression. Full expression is that when you, when you walk into a room where broken people are at, people start feeling like they did around Jesus. We're notorious sinners felt comfortable to hear what he had to say about the heart of God because they knew that he was full of love. And when we're full of the love that God had for this world, guys, now we're at the full expression. So here's what we need to do in these next few minutes. We need to lean in to the heart of God. Some of us, we need to experience the love of Jesus again, fresh and new. Some of us, we just need to be in the presence of God. You want, you want to see this, this nation changed? Then we have to model the love of Jesus that makes walking into the room with God attractive again. It makes people walking into the room in the presence of God attractive again. Because when people walk into the room, when people walk into the presence of God, the Holy Spirit does the convicting. The pressure is off of me. My, the pressure for me is this. Can I humble myself to receive the love of Jesus so that he can model that love through me? Then he, the Holy Spirit, does the converting work. He does the transformation work. So if we let him do that in us, he'll do it in the hearts of others. He'll lead them into the room. He'll bring them into the presence of God. Why? Because we just came from the presence of God. So today, we need to walk into the presence of God, and we need to come back to an awe moment where the love of Jesus overwhelms us. That's the heart I want us to come to God with in worship so that we have something to give when we walk back out of these doors. A kingdom builder doesn't just love God with their finances. That's easy. A kingdom builder loves the world like Jesus did. That's much harder. But it's possible through him who is greater than this world, the one who lives in you. Amen? Amen. Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the, the, what seems like a simple reminder, but yet it's profound. 
like inside of my heart, I'm convicted right now as the pastor of this church that there are times when I just kind of want to say, I just want to study the deeper things of you when I'm not even living the love of you to this world. Lord, would you bring us back to the origin of all things? The deepest thing that exists in the known universe? Would you bring us back to the awe of the love that you have for us? Would you remind us once again how much you love us? Would we hear your whisper again into our hearts so that we have something to give to a broken world? We're not going to teach the brokenness out of this world, but we can love the brokenness out of this world. We can't fix enough bandages to get the brokenness out of this world, but we can meet people at their deepest wound, and then we can introduce them to the great physician that can heal them, that will eradicate brokenness out of this world. So God, we want to be on the right side. We want to be on the side that's not just teaching people biblical rules. We want to be on the side that's showing people the creator of the rule. That's what we want to be on. So Lord, would you would you show up in this place and would you move in a powerful way today? In Jesus' name, amen.